Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I want to be an approachable person within my community that people can ask for advice and it can be freely given. No one just walks into a surgical suite and is able to perform brain surgery. It's a process. It takes time. You might be tired, you might be unhappy for a little bit. But that's okay. That's, that's a human emotion and it teaches you the things that you don't like and you should let that motivate you rather than hold you back. I've compared the journey to medicine as very similar to rock climbing. I need to bring my goals to the front of my mind often, to give them air, to make sure that my goals, they don't become stale. Today's guest is Benjamin Tittle. Ben's purpose is to find balance between a life of service and personal wellness through the field of medicine. In this field, which is constantly in a state of upheaval, Ben knows that as a doctor, he will have to confront moral dilemmas and face loss of life. To survive, he must hold close his purpose, which is a life of healing. I asked Ben to be on the podcast because he has such a clearly defined purpose and will one day be very busy and recognize that he may not remember us. He was clearly raised well and is a living example of how constantly pushing oneself towards ever-increasing greatness is what lands you at your highest goals and equips you to take on even greater responsibilities that demand an increasing conviction to purpose. Ben and I met playing Ultimate Frisbee together at McAllister College. While we went to school together, to many of the same activities, events, and parties, and even worked under the same boss, I think we both agree that we've gotten closer and closer as time has passed. Ben recently invited me on a short road trip with him to Duluth, Minnesota for a visit and interview to medical school. And it was so enjoyable to spend the car ride asking him all sorts of interview questions from this sheet that he had printed off with about a hundred different questions or so that a potential employer or recruiter would ask you. And as he answered these questions on our road trip, that's when I realized that, man, Ben needs to interview for this podcast I'm starting. And I think Ben is a really unique character as well. He's got a killer combination of youthful zest for life and a wise and matured mind. He has an insane worth ethic that is very enviable, and he's got a good heart. So please enjoy our interview, and let me know what you think of the great Ben Benjamin Tittle. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Tanner. Thank you for having me. Do you prefer Benjamin or Ben? It's whatever people feel most comfortable calling me, I suppose. <laughs> I'd say in a work environment, I usually go by Ben. Cool. Or private situations, I would go more for Benjamin, I suppose. Well, I have deep reverence and respect for your craft, and so I, I prefer to call you Benjamin. It's very formal. 
cool. I kind of like hanging out and just being Ben John. Okay. okay. We can be Ben John for the purpose of this. Great. Thanks. So you're going to be a doctor soon. That's the hope. That's the dream. Yeah. It's a, it's a long path to, to become a physician, but I think inherent to that path, it readies you for some of the things that you have to face as a doctor. So I've embraced some of the, some of the struggles along the way. And hopefully it'll make me a better, more reflective physician when I do get to that point. Wow. I'm sure your parents are proud. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot of the cohort that I will be going to medical school with, they have doctors in their family or they've known for quite some time that they, that they would be a physician. I feel I fell, fell into wanting to be a physician in a much more natural sense in that I love science, I love education, and I love connecting with people, trying to, trying to heal, I suppose. So I, my, my parents, they're not physicians. They never pushed me to be a physician. Uh, but yeah, I think they agree with me in that being a doctor will be a really good fit for me. So yeah, I'd say that they're proud. That's very cool. Yeah. So if your parents didn't push you, what did push you into becoming a physician? Again, I think that it was quite a natural progression to, to finding medicine. So when I was young, I, I was quite a nerd. I loved going a little bit further, stepping up, taking the challenge in academics and I uh, Soon, you know, at least when I got closer to, to college, I found that I was becoming my competitive soul, I suppose, came out a little bit more. And I got involved in athletics. And uh, through that, I, I think that I started to see that I could work in a team. And, you know, whereas early on in childhood, I thought I'd be in a profession where I'd be a mathematician or a scientist where... It was largely individualistic work. I think that I found once I started engaging more in that social sphere that I loved the collaboration. I loved that as a physician, people rely on you to make good decisions using uh, and provide sound advice. So I think being a physician, you have to be very independent you have to come to conclusions and move forward with with purpose however it's quite necessary to admit when you don't know the answer Mm. to collaborate to bring in all sorts of different opinions to look at an illness a disease from multiple different angles and also as a physician you have to understand you're not treating a problem you're treating a person and so largely being a physician appeals to me because it's very it can be very technical can be very scientific but it forces you to pass it through that filter so that other people can understand uh, your patients can understand your colleagues can understand and that's wonderful i think that it's the perfect place for me to be and although i struggled in deciding to to take this path i don't think i would nearly be as prepared to be a physician had I not struggled on the way to, to that decision. Yeah. Can you remember your first up-close glimpse or view of what it would be like to be a physician? Uh, 
I think I romanticized quite a bit on a uh, on an event that occurred when I was a kid. I was seven years old, and well, I had pretty bad obstructive sleep apnea. I would stop stop breathing in my sleep, and naturally, my parents got pretty concerned. And so, the time came when I was finally old enough to to get the surgery. I got a tonsillectomy, adenoidectomy, but the surgery didn't quite go as planned. They forgot to lubricate my airway. And as a result, when the anti-inflammatories from my surgery wore off, my airway started to constrict uh, and I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to breathe. And being that I'm from a fairly small town without a advanced or um, trauma-based medical center available, I was, I was airlifted to the Twin Cities. And throughout that process, I saw how the medical team worked together, but more importantly, they really treated me as a person throughout that entire experience. Mm -hmm. And it was really empowering to me as a patient to see healthcare done right. And I think it was, I think I can trace the roots back to this um, this love affair, I suppose, that I have with medicine or the romantic view that I have of medicine back to this medical problem that I had that felt less like a problem and more like I was just the center of attention. And I'd like to empower my patients in a similar way. So, yeah, I'd have to trace it back to, to when I was a kid. Besides getting great grades and wrapping your heads around difficult concepts, what are some personal traits that you have that will distinguish your medical practice? I really like to see a sense of story. I, I strive to, um, when, I, when I talk to people, at least when I feel like I really connect with people, it's when I'm able to ask a question and then leave a little space, leave a little room for a silence to sit for a little bit uh, so that they really start to share their story. And I think that people have a lot more to share and they are a lot more in contact with themselves and their health than they give themselves credit for. And so I'd, as a physician, I'd like to be able to bring out that awareness of, of a patient's health and hopefully get them more involved mm -hmm. with, with their body and um, so that they can best fight any kind of illness that comes their way and they can live happier because they know what's best for, for themselves and for their body. So your approach puts a lot of trust in the patient. I think that's, that's really the only way that I could practice medicine is by putting the trust in the patient. You can't, tell a patient to do something. I think that in the contemporary medical landscape, people aren't necessarily looking for someone to make the decisions for them. Certainly people, they, they want someone that's knowledgeable and someone that, that has put in the time to learn the science behind it, but they don't want to be told what to do. Right. They, they want to be guided. And I think that the role of a physician is more as a guide than as someone that lays down a strict path to wellness because there's no one path to wellness. 
Can you say more about that? No one path to wellness? Yeah, so people often have things that they don't share. They don't bring into the public space. Maybe you're treating a teenager and during your medical interview, it seems that there's just information that isn't quite coming out. And it could be because their family is in the room. They're embarrassed of whatever it may be. People become embarrassed to admit that they're sick or they become embarrassed um, because they feel like they're the only one that has this kind of ailment. And um, I think that bringing a sense of comfortability in with your patients and being a guide as opposed to uh, someone with the arrogance to believe that they know more about someone's body and how it's functioning than the person, the patient themselves. Mm. I don't think that that's a pathway for success. Yeah. Would you put other sources of wisdom into your practice outside of just what is taught in medical school? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that a focus in medical school admissions has really transitioned on the soft skills, the sociology, the psychology, whether you're volunteering within your commit, uh, in your community, whether you're capable or, and, or you have a history of civic engagement. So I think that that's where you learn the most about, about the practice of medicine. Um, this, the science, the facts, they'll be there. A medical school will provide you with that, but you need to find good sources to supplement that. If you're going to be a socially aware doctor, especially working, say, in an urban setting where you have the intersection of many different cultures um, and viewpoints on medicine. You need to be able to take a step back and see the, the forces and the influences um, and the reasons that people enter a, enter a hospital, enter a, a, a clinic. You need to understand what really drives a person to to present and the the factors like showing up to the emergency apartment as opposed to having a primary care physician there's things like financial um, concerns and being unable to afford health insurance and for that reason putting off getting health health insurance until emergency happens and suddenly they're in the they're in the emergency apartment and they're embarrassed or they're worried and overall it's it's a it's a burden to the person and it's a burden to society mm -hmm. with the exceptionally high cost of uh, emergency care long wait times it's inefficient so what's an experience that you've had that's helped you to understand such diversity of experience what the plight of other people or the socioeconomic um, ways in which a patient is affected. I found it really interesting working as a medical scribe at Children's Hospital. Um, and one of the reasons I want to work in, in pediatrics or work with kids um, is because you have quite a family dynamic in the room. And um, as a medical scribe, your job is to enter the room with the physician and take down notes on the clinical encounter. So what brings a person into, uh, into the emergency apartment, for example, 
what treatments and procedures will be done, what testing will be done, and then the plan uh, for discharge. So what will the person do once they get home uh, and what are the instructions for return? So what conditions would cause a person to come back? And so in that capacity, you, you get to be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. for many different physicians and many different patients. So I saw how the clinical encounter changes when you bring in an interpreter. There's less information that you're able to communicate if there's a language barrier. It becomes more difficult um, to, to develop a, a sense of um, intimacy with the person. If you, you, What I saw personally is that there was less, say, small talk in the room if you're using an interpreter. I think that there's the pressure of interpreters can be difficult to come by. So you have to ask this, this person to come help you, come into the room. And so suddenly it becomes that much more of a time crunch. Mm-hmm. And it brings more of a sense of urgency to, to that uh, clinical encounter. Um, and inevitably it affects the way that care is delivered in that way. Um, but the most striking part, uh, at children's and one of the reasons that I left, um, was I saw kids coming in. So it's children's hospital. So kids coming in with mental health in mental health crisis. Um, and they really, their needs weren't well met in the emergency department. Um, I saw kids in windowless rooms under physical or chemical restraint with police officers or security guards outside the room for hours and hours without someone to be in there to talk to, um, someone to acknowledge that they are still a child and that they're struggling. Uh, and it was frustrating for me to, to not be in a position where I could talk, <clears throat> uh, talk to these kids. Um, so I, I left that position with, with this viewpoint that in the future I want to be, I want to be that physician. I want to do more, um, in this context. I want to have those conversations and to be fair, you know, emergency department physicians aren't well equipped to be the ones that have these, um, these long drawn out conversations that are necessary to have to get a sense of story. Um, these kids in, in mental health crisis, but I want, even if I'm not that frontline care provider, I want to be a provider that sees these kids, that understands um, the the things that influence uh, influence say outbreaks, you know, say violent outbreaks or um, bouts of depression. You know, I I saw kids coming in, and in in my job I see their whole history and I see things like you know, sexual abuse or physical, um, physical assault or, you know, teen pregnancy or, you know, a myriad of other social things that maybe on the surface don't, um, don't relate to abdominal pain, you know, or, and underlying depression, but of course they relate. Of course they have something to do with why that person is there. A person, a kid might might just say that they have abdominal pain because they know that they want to 
see a doctor and this is their way to get into the emergency department. They know that they can talk to the physician after their mother leaves the room about a concern that they're pregnant or um, that their stepfather is abusive, all these different things. So medicine is certainly much more than just pathology and chemistry to me. It's, it's definitely a social practice. So you've taken two years off thus far and are planning to take a third between undergraduate and medical school. What are some key things that you've learned in this process or how has this helped you to understand the whole social side of medicine better? So when I graduated, I was feeling overwhelmed by just that, how I would get along as a physician. So taking that time, I got, I got to see these, these one-on-one or um, close to one-on-one interactions between patients and their physician. And so I saw many different doctors and no doctor is the same in the way that they practice medicine. So I saw, I I got that added value of just being there, raw exposure to many different uh, clinical cases. I saw how physicians had to manage their time. I saw physicians that had to break the news to a family that their child has cancer or that their child wasn't going to make it after a car crash. Those are things that you can't get in a classroom setting. And although I didn't know what I would experience after graduation, I knew that there had to be more than what I had learned in my pre-med courses. I wanted to have that hands-on experience. I wanted to make sure that I could live a life and a balanced life knowing that these things were going to happen, knowing some of the experiences that I was going to have in the medical field. And I'm so glad that I took time uh, after, after graduation to learn more about medicine, but also to learn about myself and how I could go day to day seeing, seeing some pretty heavy stuff uh, and also maintain my own well-being and have ways to go day to day and think about these difficult concepts without it bringing me down and without it compromising my ability to serve the next person that I see. What do you think is an experience or something that somebody should go through to better refine their purpose? I think it's really important to have that exposure. I think that so often people think that they don't have they don't have the skills to to hold that position yet. They don't have the mentality, they don't have this, they don't have that, but the reality is no one just walks into a surgical suite and is able to perform brain surgery. Mm-hmm. It's a process. You have to you have to have practice, you have to have the hands-on and you have to you have to lean into that discomfort. You have to admit I am new at this. This takes time. One of the reasons that I really want to work with kids is that they're they have this capacity for enthusiasm in the face of some really heavy topics. They're ready to fight and they're they're ready to learn, they're ready to make it a positive experience and they're ready to reflect on how much they're loved and the things that they love. So I think that 
I think that many of my classmates, they get really caught up with being new at something. You're new at something many times in your life. It's not just when you're a kid. And so as you're going out to find a career, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult to find yourself in a workplace where people have been there for years and they know the day in, day out. They have the rhythm. They have the routine. You're not going to have a routine when you first get there. You can try. You can have a strategy, but you have to be willing to change, to adapt, and to listen to yourself. I was miserable for a little bit. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to fit in all the things that I wanted into the day. And at first I had to compromise. Then I got into a routine. I got quicker. I did things more automatically. And suddenly I could fit in those things that I, I wanted for a balanced life. And so it's not an all or nothing thing. You need to take time to find where you're comfortable. You need to take time to, to get used to a new experience. And so remember that. Don't just don't write yourself off so that you're not a good fit for something that you've been hoping to try out just because it doesn't work right away. It takes time. You might be tired. You might be unhappy for a little bit. But that's okay. That's, that's a human emotion, and it teaches you the things that you don't like, and you should let that motivate you rather than hold you back. I'm hearing a lot about discomfort, leaning into discomfort. Outside of the medical profession, what have you had to do to really develop this ability to be patient with discomfort? I think that I, for quite some time, and I continue to set, set my expectations pretty high for myself. And as a result, I become disappointed if I can't fit everything in. And that doesn't make me feel good. That puts me in a, in a place where I'm uncomfortable. I feel like I'm not living up to the expectations that other people hold for me. I'm not living up to my own expectation. So when it comes to a, a place of discomfort outside of, say, my work environment, I think that I've really had to learn to work with frustration and to, to become patient through just putting myself in, in situations that theoretically should be good for me, but end up being really difficult. But when I look back, there have been a lot of situations where I wasn't necessarily well fit. Uh, my skill set wasn't well fit for the position that I was in, but I grew towards it. And that's how you develop your skill set through discomfort, through not being comfortable with where you are and seeing what needs to be improved. I think that the most important part of that is if you're unhappy, if you're feeling uncomfortable, to identify the small things that can be improved, to always have a plan, to always be thinking as opposed to stagnating. The alternative could also be true, it seems, that sitting in discomfort for a very long time can be very damaging for you, can erode your psyche and your self-confidence, can be an indication that you're not on the right path of purpose. How do you distinguish whether that is the case or that you're headed towards something greater from the discomfort? I think that that is a really good point. I think that behind that, 
is this idea for me that I need to bring my goals to the front of my mind often to give them air to make sure that my my goals they don't become stale and it's true it's it would have for example it would have been ideal to my past self to just go right into medical school without taking that break but i realized that i i was uncomfortable with the very aggressive tactic i suppose to getting into medical school to being very numbers grades oriented to be to being always trying to 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 be uh to be first or to be quick at doing things and often at the expense of others or interactions with others um i found that i wasn't comfortable in an environment where i was competing with my peers for grades that never sat well with me and for the longest time you know i came in to to my college uh my years in, in undergrad having never gotten anything but an a and always being very competitive to get that top mm-hmm. score and i suddenly realized that i was just not happy in my college courses trying to gun for these for these grades i thought that it was at the expense of actually learning the content uh in these courses and making these connections with other people to learn from their learning styles so when it when it comes to being in a place of discomfort and realizing that this just might not be the right thing for me it doesn't necessarily mean oh i'm unhappy i'm unhappy with my life right now i must not be fit to be a doctor that's not necessarily the case it was more that i was unhappy with the way that i had planned my trajectory there was no way that i was going to go straight into medical school the year after graduating from college um i had to bring out that goal and reorient myself down a different path to get there and i'm so i'm so happy that i did that because i don't think that i would have been a balanced person i think that i would have continued to live in that discomfort and i didn't i didn't want to be in that uncomfortable place I didn't want to be a miserable medical student. Uh I didn't I didn't want to go through the process of feeling like I was being bent until you know maybe being broken. You know, I didn't want this dream that I've had for so long to be put at jeopardy because I was I was too uh too hard-nosed to to uh close to this this dream without giving it the proper perspective i didn't want to lose i don't want to lose it i didn't want to be told that being a doctor wasn't for me i thought for a while man this might not be the right fit and so i slowed down a little bit i pumped the brakes and on the contrary i think it's the perfect fit it just wasn't the right fit at that time i need to find a different way to get there and that's what i've done and i'm happy with that wow So you did tell yourself at one point fairly recently that you might not be going to medical school? I think that behind the medical school process there's always that doubt. What if I'm not good enough? What if a school doesn't let me in? What if I even just sending out those secondary applications? It's hard. There's failure to launch. 
And there's a lot of pressure because many schools are on a rolling, rolling admission basis. And so time is a factor as well. And yeah, you know, it's especially when there are financial pressures pushing you as well. It's not cheap to find a, a spot in a medical school class. You have to apply and put out lots of money for applications. And yeah, there was a point where I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't keeping my body active. I wasn't being social and I was miserable. And I thought, if this is what it takes to be a doctor, maybe this isn't the right career for me. But you were um, able to see that you were just going about it the wrong way? I think so. I think that taking that time after McAllister, uh, my undergraduate institution, and seeing physicians and seeing that they were just real people and that all of them had different personalities, yet they had found their way to medicine. And I told myself, I can do this. These are these are accessible people. These are people that I, I heard... <laughs> You know, I heard from my boss just recently, who is the head of the neurology department at the U of M. He didn't get into medical school his first time, his second time trying. It took him a while, and he thought that he wasn't going to make it. And now look at him holding a, a chaired position and practicing medicine, doing research, being looked up to as a leader in his field. And I guarantee there were points along his path where he questioned whether it was the right fit. But I think that it's seeing those fears, acknowledging them, and talking talking to yourself, listening to yourself rationally and telling yourself, yes, I did make this decision for the right reasons. And yeah, I am afraid. I'm afraid of, of failure, but I'm not going to let that fear of failure hold me back from trying. Have there been any key people that have come into your life in this process that have helped you to rationalize and to give perspective and to understand better about how to process all of the things that you're feeling? I'd say that I've had many, many mentors within the, the medical profession, but perhaps the most influential people in my life haven't actually been in in the field of medicine, um, whether that's my parents or my my undergraduate educators, um, or for example, I worked for uh, for a little bit with a guy that did tree trimming, and from him I learned to um, to embrace the small things, to find a way to have orderliness in your life and to have a mission and a purpose and I think it's necessary for me to talk to these to these people outside of the field of medicine because at times I feel like medicine can feel like this exclusive club um, there's a lot of big egos there's a lot of people that try really hard and they got into medicine because they try really hard um, but for me, the thing that has guided me most is seeing the humanity in these people and seeing that these people make mistakes too. And sometimes it takes a, a casual conversation with someone outside of the field to really put things in perspective, to, to see that these, these people do not necessarily need to be on a pedestal. 
uh, the life of the doctor is achievable and it's achievable for me. Um, and it just becomes apparent that people hold all, you know, many different people have many different occupations and they find a way to have that occupation fit them. So, uh, definitely mentors outside of the field of medicine have been most influential to me. So I'm sure that you've had setbacks. It sounds like you've had moments where you've heavily questioned your ability to start and complete med school. And also I've given you a concussion. Um, we both experienced uh, rehabilitating from concussions. My question is, why is it that you have such a confidence that you can walk this very long, arduous path at his medical school? When you have all of these other things going on as a young person and you have head trauma in your recent past, where does the confidence come from that your vision is going to be fulfilled? In the past, I've compared the journey to medicine as very similar to rock climbing, which uh, is one thing that I, I, I love doing. I love rock climbing because you're on the wall, you're focused on that next move, um, whether it's, it, it's, a, it's a combination between skill, balance, and attention to detail. And as you focus on that next move, it's really the only thing that's, that's in your mind at that time. And sometimes you slip, you fall, you fail, and you're caught, and you're caught by the rope, and you're supported. So the way that I see this being a reflection of my, my journey to, to medical school is that so often I've gotten lost in, in the small things, in the little details. And I realized to, to move up, to move on with my journey to, to medicine, sometimes I need to take those breaks. Sometimes I need to rely on the, on the people that can support me. Sometimes I need to fall so I can get a bigger perspective of, of the wall, to look behind me and see the beauty that, that's at my back. That's not necessarily you know, the road to medical school, but part of the beauty of climbing is reaching a height where you can see over, say, the tops of the trees and have this beautiful panorama. You know, and once you get to the top, you're not done, right? You rappel right back down and you find your next mountain. And I think that in medicine, it attracts these personalities where very attentive to detail. They fight, 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 and then they get to the top. And there's this rush, this excitement, this feeling of accomplishment. But you don't sit there at the top. You go right back down and you find your next mountain, right? You find that next patient that you're going to fight for. And it's, it's that feeling at the top. Once you've accomplished these climbs on every time you accomplish a climb, you get this excitement and you get this larger perspective, but in medicine, you need to keep driving forward. So for me, yeah, I've had my hangups, but I've been fortunate enough to, when I have these really difficult points, these points where I really struggle and I need to fall, I need to lean back on my support system, that I have a good support system. I have surrounded myself with people that believe in me and 
are equally confident in my ability to get there as a doctor. So um, it's, it's, all, it's all about who you surround yourself with. I think it's possible on your way to medical school to just surround yourself with very science-heavy or very detail-based people that are willing to, to sacrifice a lot just, to, just in the name of and for the sake of achievement. And I haven't, I haven't done that. I feel like I've surrounded myself with people that complement my skills, that are a supplement to my skill set. And it's a breath of fresh air to hear and to listen to my friends' perspectives on and how they've also struggled whether it's you know in the field of medicine or in other fields. So the way they have gotten through these struggles is really just taking a step back, looking at how far I've come, you know, looking at the people that support me on the way, and just being grateful and thankful and stopping for a second, evaluating whether medicine is really where I'll fit best. I think it is. And I'm so glad that I don't have that pressure of being in a family where there are doctors, where it's the expectation that I'll be a doctor. That decision wasn't made for me. I made that decision. And I think that that in itself has made it much more easy to keep pushing on. It's because I was the one that decided to do this. Wow. I believe you can summit a lot of mountains (laughs) for a lot of people that need you to. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer-form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately, and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sails and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 